And welcome on this Saturday morning to Green Thumb from Hair Nursery. Hello, I'm Dan DiOrio along with Ethan Wise of Hair Nursery, Green Thumb Herd, every Saturday at 7 o'clock for just a couple of more weeks. I know. It's, it's here. It's the, end of, it's the end of the planting season, which kind of lines up with kind of the end of the show. So yeah. it's, just, it's, it's creeping up on us. Uh, one uh, question about my grass. Uh, can I still blast my creeping Charlie? Yes, it's still okay to use um, lawn herbicides if you if you need to go ahead and, and knock anything out. It's not too late for that, and it's also not too late to still fertilize and or overseed your lawn, mm-hmm. especially with our grass being a cool season turf. Most of the grasses that we use, Kentucky bluegrass, perennial rye, fescue, most of those grasses thrive really well in the weather that we have currently been having. Well, the one thing I know about grasses is um, this is the time to build your grass for next year. It might be the most important time because we have cool weather. It can establish its roots. Some of the weeds may be dying out. It's, yep. it's grasses time right now. Exactly, yeah. I'm sure many people notice that there's a recurring theme that in the heat of the summer, when your grass starts to brown out, your weeds start to really pick up and, and do extremely well in your yard. Yes. And so what you said is spot on. Your weeds are going to start kind of hitting the end of their life cycle, but they're not done. Many of them have probably put off seeds that are still in your ground. But even though you can't necessarily kill the seeds with an herbicide that you would be spraying because the seeds tend to be impervious to that, you can still get grass seed in and combat those weeds next spring. So that grass seed gets established and it creates a harder area for the weeds to take over. And then you can use something like preen to prevent those weeds from even germinating next spring. So you choke them off. Exactly, exactly. And that's what fall's all about, the most important time for your grass. Yeah, yeah, it's a great time. Uh, I usually tell people, cool season. So if you don't get to overseeding your lawn this fall, that's okay. Wait until spring. Cool season or cool weather still in spring. Uh, so where you, really what you're looking for is that 60s, give or take, um, anywhere from high 50s to uh, mid-70s is a perfect time frame to get your grass germinated in your lawn. When you're looking for a fall fertilizer, for your lawn, what mm-hmm. are the numbers you're looking at? So you're usually looking for a low nitrogen count. Um, so you will see a fall or winterizer. Um, you'll, sometimes you'll see, like, if you're using a Scott's four-step program, you would be uh, either, if you haven't already used your step three, you'd be using it now. If you used your step three a month ago, you're probably not that far off from using step four, which is your winterizer. If you're using something else, um, you're probably uh, just using whatever they're referring to as a winterizer, which is going to be in the ballpark of anywhere from 5 to 15% nitrogen. It's probably going to have zero phosphorus. And so this is something that isn't going to help you if you are putting new grass seed on. So this is for an established turf that you would be using a, win- a winterizer fertilizer on. Um, and so if you're, if you're just establishing or if you're establishing your turf, you want to use a new lawn fertilizer. If your lawn is established, you can use a product uh, referred to as a winterizer this time of year, uh, anywhere from 5 to 15% nitrogen, 0% phosphorus, and probably has a high number of potassium, um, 10 to 20%. And, and what that does, what, what potassium is, is a sweater in cold weather or a cutoff tea in the summer. It, what it does is it helps your plant, whatever plant it is, develop um, a defense against environmental conditions, whether it's cold, heat, drought, uh, uh, water logging, all kinds of uh, environmental conditions. So um, 
I've never thought about the winterizer. You put that on in December, and if there's a little snow, do you put it on that? What do you do? So you would ideally get it on, um, uh, you would want to put it on before or after the snow. Uh, and so it isn't necessarily too late in December, but I would recommend by the by December, especially if we had a really cold end of November, your grass is probably close to dormant. However, there's been plenty of of uh, winters, uh, quote unquote winters in in uh, Illinois where it's still warm. It's still in the 50s uh, in December. You know, we don't get snow until after Christmas. So in that case, yes, you can use the winterizer. But I usually tell people um, to get that down by Thanksgiving Day. Well, I know in some years uh, it's snow in early November or like around Halloween. Right. And then it get cold. And then in January, you got a couple of 50 degree days. Which so. it would be fine to put down in then as well. Yeah. I mean, heck, I, I know it's kind of a, not apples to apples, but I planted uh, about 200 bulbs in the first week of January <laughs> last year uh, because we had this spurt of 50s. Uh, it was, I'm sorry, two years ago. And so this whole first week of January got up into the 50s, and I was outside in shorts and a T-shirt putting my bulbs in the ground. So you could still be able to put a winterizer fertilizer down what at that is time. Ethan doing out there? Is he gardening? <laughs> what is... It's January. So, yeah, I guess I'm the right person for yeah. the show. They're like, he gardens in January. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I never thought about that. All right, so now time to wrap up our planting, obviously. The garden, uh, although it's been to a point where I'm complaining a little bit, now I'm not complaining as much because I'm like, where's fall? 85, where's fall? The tomatoes have been just loving it. Oh, yeah. I got to be honest. I stopped picking them a couple weeks ago because I was like, I can't eat any more tomatoes. (laughs) I'm so done with tomatoes. And I never got into um, jarring. So that'd be, although I do have a a, a vacuum um, sealer, so maybe I can blanch them and vacuum seal, put them in the freezer and make a stew or chili over winter. I know a lot of people who do that. They did that with their San Marzanos and the whole upper thing of the refrigerator on, on the freezer side is all tomatoes. They yeah. just put them all in there. I need to do that because I got I still have plenty of tomatoes um, that are producing and uh, and peppers. My peppers are still going bananas. I, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to bring some in. Do you like sweet peppers? Oh, I love them. All right. I'll bring some sweet peppers in for you guys. Yes. No, I love <laughs> Please them. Please help me and take yeah. sweet peppers. <laughs> Uh, and the rest now, your cool weather stuff, your squash, your lettuce. Mm-hmm. How are those doing? Yeah, so broccoli. That, that my broccoli's uh, making a comeback. Um, so I know we had talked about that. You don't uh, want last it to week. bolt though, right? Right. So that's what had happened, and I cut mine back, and it's starting to push off new flower heads on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I can keep an eye on them, um, hopefully uh, before I go out of town here soon. Um, I can harvest that, put it in my fridge, and it'll be waiting for me when I get back. Yeah. So that's kind of the game plan. If I can get some sort of small head on it, I'm going to cut that off because I'm worried because I'll be gone for um, uh, uh, half a week or so that it might bolt in that time period. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a little, there's a narrow time frame that I'm working with on this. Uh, yeah, I know some people who clear out part of their garden, um, either their tomatoes or whatever, at the, about two weeks ago, and and have a very very healthy cold weather crop of lettuce. Yeah, um, exactly. How, how long can lettuce go? Oh, man, lettuce is going to go until freezing temps um, because that's going to burn the leaf. Um, so that's what you'll see if we got freezing temps or frost. That's what turns your lettuce leaf kind of almost transparent and mushy looking. That's many times from cold damage. But you so, can cover them, right? Absolutely. How what what temperature can you cover them up to? I mean, I I would say um, if it's going to drop below freezing. 
cover them because there's the potential frost buildup. That's right. all you're looking for is <clears> to <throat> prevent frost from building up on the foliage. It's not necessarily the cold weather. It's not that it's 32 degrees outside that's going to kill your cabbage or your lettuce or your kale. It's the frost buildup on it. So even if it's 28 a few nights, as long as it's covered well, good blanky, then you can take it off during the day? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yep. you can really potentially... Uh, keep your lettuce and kale and your cold weather crops going well into November. Right? Oh yeah, I got a row, I, and, and I have a row of, uh, of strawberries, um, four or five plants um, in my back garden, and I'm seeing some new flowers on them. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping if that uh, that bindweed squirrel doesn't uh, oh. go go and and uh, and eat my strawberries, then I'll uh, I'll be able to have some of those before the end of the season too. Yeah, you'll go out there if you don't know what bindweed is. We talk about it about every week. It looks like a potato vine that you see oftentimes that municipalities have in those giant containers on the streets. It's kind of a green oval-shaped vine. The potato vines are either sometimes green or purple, Mm -hmm. but they're very big. This is a smaller version, but it's very aggressive. It will climb your house. Uh, it'll climb rakes. It'll Loved climb ones. Your, your, what's that? <laughs> Loved ones. Yes. It doesn't matter. If you have to take a nap out there, they'll be around your ankles. Exactly. Uh, and they just climb very fast. And, uh, I mean, if you go away for six days, you'll come back and they'll have actually eaten the, the strawberries or have canned them for you. Yes, exactly. Just leave out some canning jars. Oh, it's just, oh, it's, just it's it's been... Uh, I've never seen bindweed before, obviously. How uh, plants spread oftentimes is by birds, birds eating seeds, and then they poop, and that's how poison ivy actually gets around. That's why it's usually around a fence, mm-hmm. just because the birds perch right there. Yeah, yeah. The mm-hmm. uh, the bindweed and and uh, we refer to it, it's kind of been adopted as the horticultural uh, curse word. Yeah. Um, so I like to I like to use it now as an adjective when I'm referring <laughs> to things in the in the garden. You bindweed. <laughs> but um. So, and I was talking to um, another horticulturist at Hair Nursery, Kelly, um, and, uh, and and you know Kelly, but um, she was, we were both talking about bindweed and how deep it goes and how we had talked about on the show, oh my gosh, yeah, you're going to have to dig down two, three, four feet um, before you can get rid of the rhizomes, which are underground hybridized roots that spread the plant. <laughs> um, and she said that there was, and I can't remember exactly how the, the, I, I, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase what she said, but she knew someone who was digging down an area, um, and that it was about 20 feet deep. Oh my God. Before there was no more bindweed rhizomes that it was so deep and so that's also how that particular weed spreads is it could be at the end of the block and just cruising its way underground and then pop up at your house and then you're stuck with it um i am surprised though that there is not some sort of systemic that you could put on the snap it off put it on that goes all the way into the roots i think you could but my gosh that'd be a huge pain in the butt and i really hate bindweed but i don't know if i have it in me to to you know, sprinkle something on each one of those tiny little millimeter yeah. wide stems because well, there is a product called Tordon, um, which works extremely well. It's a staple in my house. Uh, I use it for anything that grows along the fence, around my garage, mulberry, uh, wild um, wild maple trees, wild redbud trees. I snip them off and I 
put a little bit of that blue tord on on them, and it usually works. I imagine that is something you can use for the bindweed, but wow, what a booger of a task. But yeah. then again, having bindweed in your garden really yeah. kind of devalues every yeah. hard work you have done. So that is absolutely something you can do. I, I, I'd have to really motivate myself to do that, though. If you have, if you're kind of... Um uh, maybe a little lazy, and your garden starts going, you're not picking your tomatoes and stuff like that, can you just clean it up and let all that stuff rot in the soil? Is that very good fertilizer? I do. <laughs> that's exactly... Dan, have you been to my garden? That's exactly what I do. Well, but, um, but you said that... that yeah. Uh, rotting pumpkins, you put it under a hosta, and it just blooms oh, yeah. huge next year. So you think about it, it's nutrients. Allowing all that stuff to rot outside of keeping the raccoons mm -hmm. out is probably very good for your garden. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I will – so what, what I did last year is I just kind of went in and just kind of started – loosely chopping things up i didn't i could have probably gone back there with my weed whacker and just kind of mulched everything so to say but i just went back there with head shears and just kind of roughly chopped things down vines and stuff too oh yeah the vines and um and uh the, the my, all of my tomatoes and my uh lemongrass and my herbs and my squash leaves that were still there all i did was just kind of chop all that up and just let it sit there mm -hmm. because i was going to put so I, I create a mulch walkway in my back garden yeah but i have to redo that every year you know yeah. so it, it i didn't really care if there was stuff on top of that because i know i'm going to redo my mulch walkway again <laughs> but yeah that's exactly what i did and um and this year i had a whole bunch of volunteer tomato plants in my garden so yeah. i had i had tomatoes literally growing out of every part of my garden do they taste pretty good can they do okay oh yeah yeah so the tomatoes that that popped up from last year they were from my heirloom varieties my lemon boy and my sun sugar uh variety of tomatoes and so i i had more of those volunteer I had so many, I had to yank them out. I probably pulled 30 or so volunteer tomato plants out of my garden. So when people see you and you're just chopping things up and leaving it, they go, Ethan, are you lazy? He goes, no, I'm being holistic. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm re recycling the nutrients. He, he leaves garbage in his garden <laughs> and he and he plants bulbs in January yes. and, and people don't talk to me on the street. So no, I don't know right. what it is. <laughs> Uh, we got a couple minutes before the break. Now, when it comes to your perennial gardens, um, uh, I, I have old-fashioned lilies. I'm thinking of now's the time just to dump them and get rid of them. Yeah. Because uh, I want to get the new, more variety of day lilies sure. that are long-blooming. Yes. Yeah, because yours you are kind of one and done. Right. Now, do you have those in stock, and is it too late? Because I... Mm -mm. Okay, it's not. So it is not too late. It, we do have them in stock. It's not too late. And it's actually one of the perennials that I would feel safe planting this late in the season, in part because hardly any of them are flowering right now. There's no bud production on them, so they're not wasting energy. They're not burning through phosphorus to create flowers right now, so they can use phosphorus that's available to them to create a root system. And... uh they also, most daylilies tend to be hardy up to zone three or four. And so that's also something you want to look for when you're choosing perennials to plant is what's the hardiness zone on it. If it's zone five, I would, I would. And what's uh, zone five south of us? Zone five is us. So oh. Illinois is kind of split into Zone 5A and Zone 5B. Mm -hmm. And we're right, I believe, kind of where Zone 5A and 5B meet. 
Um, but uh, so anything zone five, I'm skeptical of planting this late in the season because sometimes we have zone four winters mm-hmm. um, and, and you have no idea what to expect. And so uh, zone five or uh, zone four, zone three perennials and plants would be what I'd look for if you're planting And daylilies are pretty hardy. They're along Extremely. the lines of hosta that it's very difficult to kill them. Even when the uh, the deer eat them halfway to the ground, they just, just come right back up. They come right back up. Oh, so, yeah. So it's not too late to plant those. So basically, if you're trying to plant, fill in some perennials. You want to get rid of some. And a lot of people get tired of their perennial garden. As long as it is zone three, zone four, you right. can still plant up till when? Um, I would say you could probably still... Uh, as long as it's the nighttime temps are not dropping below 40 for over a week, I think you can still plant. Mm-hmm. And so there's really not a whole lot of stress with regards to that. I think we're still going to have some decent weather. I'd say for perennials, though, um, end of this month. So perennials end of this month, shrubs that are zone three, zone four. So those are going to be your hydrangeas, um, lilacs, or whatever. That can wait until next month. Yeah. Boy, my hydrangeas is all over the place. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that that big one, and and so you're you could even start pruning back some of that I stuff too. I think I may too. do that, and it's nice to bring them in the fall and put them in vases. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that continues to do very well, even though I neglected it, didn't water it as much as I should have. Still did very very well this year. It likes that particular spot. People have tropicals, palms, hibiscus, uh, some tender house plants that they have outdoors be it philodendron although those those are like bindweed uh, mm-hmm. they just keep coming yeah uh but if you have some of those house plants what's the uh, temperature where you have to start going well, i got to bring those inside so once the temperatures are kind of in the mid 40s and we've already had some of that this week so uh, I, it was only for a couple of days, and, and some people's houseplants are probably just fine. Um, I'm notoriously uh, later than I probably should in bringing in some of my houseplants, but they tend to adapt just fine. Uh, but now is the time to uh, to start thinking about bringing those in. Anything under 45 can be harmful on many of your tropical plants. Now, most of them can bounce back from that uh, as long as they don't get anything below 40 or into the 30s on them. That will kill leaves of many of your tropical plants, especially philodendrons, uh, calatheas, uh, certain cacti will start to struggle. Um, so start thinking about where you're going to start putting your plants back. And maybe I'm just saying this to myself, to everybody out there. Um, but I am notorious for when I put my plants outside uh, during the season. I fill up that empty space in my house, whether it's with a new plant or I put something else there. Uh, You know, groceries end up taking over the spot on my counter uh, where I had a plant, you know, or uh, I got a piece of artwork that's now where I had a plant. And so I am going to be playing Tetris here in the next couple of days in my house, trying to figure out where these house plants are going to go again. Um, And uh, maybe I need to start bringing in some uh, companions for Steve. Yeah, so, yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah, he'd love it. I I have some plants that uh, that might be triaged out of um, yeah <laughs> out of my they house, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And we're gonna we were just talking about this on the show because <clears throat> our voices go because of the dry weather. Right. So we're gonna put a humidifier in here, which will Ooh, be nice. perfect. There we go. They Steve will love, love that. It. They will all love it. Yep. And, 
They'll, uh, they'll overwinter here. There'll be snowbirds. Yes, at, exactly. At the studios. So uh-huh. they're more than happy to come in here. Um, so uh, when you br- start bringing in those plants, uh, you could also bring in a lot of unwanted pests and guests. Yes. Because once you bring them in, I would say that's it. Because if you bring them back out, the pests can come back. So <clears throat> once you start bringing your hibiscus and all those things in, what's the best way to treat it? So there's a couple things that I like to use, and and Hair Nursery carries both of them. Um, But if we, uh, with the shipping issues that have uh, existed all season, call before you come in, because these are items that we tend to keep in small uh, inventory counts. But we do carry a product, a houseplant systemic, and it's in a little white bottle with a purple cap. I think it's by Bonide, um, B-O-N-I-D-E. And it's just imidacloprid. That's the active ingredient in it. And it is uh, a common systemic uh, insecticide, systemic meaning that it is absorbed through the plants. Um, and the plant uh, essentially houses that chemical in it and it makes it toxic to chewing insects. So it's a common one used for inside and outdoor plants. And it's fine for so i i that's the same one that i caution people against in spring to put on their plants that they're worried japanese beetles are going to chew up or whatnot and the reason why i caution them for outside plants is because that chemical is also harmful to bees and butterflies the pollinators exactly but inside you don't have bees and butterflies in your house how about june bugs can it kill the june bugs? it'll kill june bugs if they chew on them you better oh, believe good. it oh yeah. Good, yeah um and so when you're putting your plants inside and I ladybugs say, those J- the, yes, the the Japanese beetles and also the Asian lady beetles. If they get in our house, if they chew the plants, yes. um, so mm-hmm. some of them will do that. Also, Dinner, it'll, come right, over here. exactly. <laughs> um, and so, uh, use a product like that sprinkled in your pot. There's also a fertilizer version. It's by Fertilome, and it's the uh, palm. It says palm food on it, but you can use. I use it on any of my house plants. Palm food plus systemic, and it's also using imidacloprid um, as the active ingredient. And I have both of those. So there's some plants I don't need or want to fertilize, and I just put the straight systemic on them. There's other ones that I'm like, you know what? You look like you could use a vitamin boost. Shot, yeah. yeah, and I give it the one with the fertilizer content. Also. A way to combat gnats. If you have gnats, because you're probably inevitably going to bring gnats inside your house. They lay their eggs in the soil, mm-hmm. and then uh, as you water your plants, they, they emerge, and then you have gnats flying all over the place. Um, put a layer of sand, fine sand, at the top of your plants, um, your pots. So really fine, like playground sand. You can usually find it um, at, you can find that kind of sand at Hair Nursery. You can find it at any other garden center, usually with the plant supplies uh, over by where you'd find like decorative rocks peat moss, orchid mix, there's usually a fine grain of sand, and put about an, a half inch to an inch of that at the top of your pot, and that's going to suffocate those gnats and make it hard for them to A, lay their eggs in the soil, and B, for the newly emerged um, uh, uh, gnats to get out of the pot, and they die kind of underneath that sand. Oh, okay. So something to consider, a cheap, ineffective way to help control gnats. When you start bringing in, especially your tropicals, now the palms are pretty good. I know hibiscus are a little bit fussy. Uh, When you immediately start bringing in, do you go like Charlie Brown go, I killed it because all the leaves fall off? Yeah, you're probably going to notice that a lot. And I talk to a lot of people that way. And unfortunately, it's after the fact that uh, of them throwing the plant away. Yeah. And like, oh, well. 
uh, well, it started to die. And I said, did it just start to lose its leaves? And they said, yeah. So I threw it away. And I said, oh, no, no, no. It was going, it was just kind of adapting to the climate. Um, and so I speak to a lot of people who throw their plants away because they defoliate. I have several plants that do that myself. And your hibiscus, if you're going to overwinter, it is definitely going to be one of those um, that just probably defoliates more than 50%. It's probably never going to flower while it's inside your house unless it's in a Four Seasons room or pressed right up against a southwest window. Um, so, so it's never going to flower or rarely? Rarely would flower if you wow. kept a hibiscus in your house. Wow. And that's just, there's multiple reasons. A, it, there's no way you, it can get the heat that it really, really loves. Hibiscus loves the heat. Um, it can't get the, the sunshine that it really wants. Even in a south window, uh, you know, that doesn't have an overhang mm -hmm. and it just truly gets all of that southern sun. Uh, that might keep it uh, or get it to the point where it could flower more regularly. But most people's houses have some sort of overhang or there's a tree or a part of their house that sticks out further. So they're not getting all of that southern sun. They're getting parts of that southern sun. Uh, and that tends to not be enough. Also, humidity. The humidity, exactly. We don't keep our houses at 60, 70, 80% humidity. Um, and, and if, if you did, your furniture would be ruined. You wouldn't be able, to, no book would be in your house because they'd all have curled, frizzly pages. Um, but uh, that's also a factor. So keeping the humidity high on your hibiscus is key. One of these days, I want to do it, is just to have a walk-in uh, greenhouse hooked up to humidity. Oh, man, that would be awesome. Yeah. And just oh, Somewhat I'd, costly, but I've heard people who have done it and done it right. He goes, no, it's not that really that bad. They put in the right units inside there. But uh, I, I want to have a nice little, maybe like a lean-to yeah. uh, greenhouse onto a garage or something mm -hmm. like that that stays insulated, mm -hmm. and I could get a nice touch of summer yes. uh, over the winter months. And better to, for your hibiscus, so. Keep to, you could keep your uh, your indoor garden going. You could yeah. keep tomatoes and whatnot growing yeah. over winter. Uh, what oh. about your other tropicals, though? Um, uh, palm trees, will those eventually die out or what? Those are tough to keep alive inside. Um, they... They need a sunny spot, uh -huh. and you'll want to cut them back on watering a little bit. And if you can avoid, if there's any way, it's it's tough sometimes, especially if you have big ones. Um, Greg, I'm talking to you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it is tough to overwinter them and not do any sort of uh, kind of haircut on them. Mm -hmm. But that can sometimes be stressful for them. So if you can avoid cutting your palms to any degree when you bring them in oversight outside of cutting off the dead you have a chance of getting those to overwinter put them in the sunniest window that you can water them once a month and uh just like most of the gardening uh see what happens <laughs> what about elephant ears oh yeah elephant so i cut mine back um that's actually one of the things i was looking at this morning getting ready to drive through uh drive to the show and and kind of uh well i'm gonna I'm looking at my elephant ears and I'm like, those are looking a little rough now. It's probably time to cut those back and bring them inside. So what I did last year, uh, mine are in big, huge containers and I have multiple bulbs in there. So it's a nice full pot over spring, summer, and I have two of those. And what I'll do is I'll just cut them off uh, a couple inches from the ground and I will bring those inside uh, one of my back rooms, which is Northwest um, Exposure. So they don't get a whole lot of light. And they'll keep trying to push off little leaves throughout the season, but they tend to die back because they just can't support themselves. So There's not enough light. Do you keep light. them in the dirt exposed like they are outside? Yep. All I do is take that Water pot and I put them. Um, 
when I remember to. Yeah. Um, so just a little bit, like if I'm if I'm back there and I have a little bit left in a water bottle and I'm like, oh, well, here you go. I'll just dump it on one of those pots. Um, or if I have a little bit extra uh, here or there, I just kind of splash a little bit of water on them. So uh, they essentially go dormant. <clears throat> Correct. But not dead. How nope. do you know whether, like, uh, like you said, your hibiscus or some of those, your palm trees or those are dead. You wait until spring and see if it comes back. Well, with the hibiscus, you can always do the scratch test. Mm -hmm. um, so get a little knife or just use your fingernail. And if there's ever a branch that you're worried about, you're like, ooh, there's no leaves on it, but it's still kind of green. Mm -hmm. It's not crunchy. Scrape the bark a little bit on there. And if it's green underneath that bark, it's still alive. Okay. Um, so always do the scratch test before you assume that your plant is dead because it's defoliated. With the elephant deer, though, because those are bulbs, you really won't be able to tell. There's a chance that no growth will come out come out of it over winter, um, and and it'll just be a pot of dirt, and you won't know until next spring uh, if it's going to start emerging. What about other bulbs like dahlias and stuff? Can mm -hmm. you bring those in and over? Yeah, you bet. Oh, dahlias uh, will be better to respond. Uh, yep. So if you left your dahlias outside, um, or uh, oh my gosh, uh, cannas, cannas another popular one. And I'm trying to think. There's another variety of of uh, common. Um, hmm. Well, caladium is it one, but that's caladium. Yeah. Caladium, no, no, no. That and that's that definitely one that you can overwinter. In fact, caladiums could be kind of kept as a pseudo house plant too, because they like more shade. Oh yeah, they like the shade, um, and they they uh, they like that sixty to seventy uh, or sixty five to seventy five temperature range, which a lot of us keep our house at. Yeah. Um, so they caladiums, like light, but not direct light. Right, and yeah. they don't flower, so yeah. they're it's they they're mostly just a foliar. Well, they do flower, but it's mostly a foliar plant, so it's easier to maintain inside your house. Mm -hmm. um, but your cannas and your dahlias really bred for flowers. Mm -hmm. uh, go ahead and dig those up. Uh, I'd say you still have a couple more weeks left on those before there's not much to look at. My dahlias are still blue prolifically um, and, and very happy and I've seen some cannas still doing well but it looks like mostly what I see around town cannas are wrapping up yeah um, so you could probably dig those up and two methods clean them off entirely mm -hmm. put them in a burlap or a paper bag or uh, when I find out if you clean them off entirely you tend to have to miss them more often mm -hmm. uh, and make sure that that so bowl doesn't dry out exactly mm -hmm. exactly leave a little bit of dirt on them just kind of make sure you know it's not covered in mud and then take that put it in a burlap bag or uh, a paper bag emphasis on those you don't want to put them in a plastic bag nope. they will rot mm -hmm. um, and I that mud or dirt that stays on there helps insulate the bulb and you don't have to water it as often and i found it works best in a basement like yes. a full basement so it's a little cooler down there and mm -hmm. about once every two three weeks you missed it yeah and it'll come back small i <clears throat> and here's the thing uh you will notice that when you've put in one bulb at the beginning of the year there'll be two bulbs so you'll be able in the spring yes. to divide it and have more more bulbs yep little bulb babies yeah um yes but any of the other stuff like lilies tulips daffodils uh that's all stuff so lilies you would plant in spring next year um but you don't have to dig them up uh if that's something you're you're uh worried about lilies are perennials um but now is also a good time to put certain bulbs in the ground, like your daffodils, your tulips, your mm -hmm. crocus, uh, hyacinths, all that good stuff. Um, 
one of the so I was looking to see got all those we got the dahlias, caladiums, all various. Caladiums the one you could actually keep in the pot that probably will be a house plant. Oh right? yeah, 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 you could put that. We actually have some growing mm-hmm. um, in one of our back grow houses mm-hmm. that we're going to put out with our Christmas stuff. Uh, it was a brilliant idea by one of our growers, Rita, um, and all the caladium colors are Christmas colors. There's whites and greens and reds and pinks. And she's like, "What if I grow some of these and we have them as house plants?" It's like, "Yes, yeah." yeah um, so good. we're going to have some of those with our poinsettias this season. All right. Uh, geraniums. Uh, uh, yes. Put them in pots. I've never had success, but I have had success uh, reading my Rodale's book okay. of uh, <laughs> taking them out, loosely shaking them. And the same method, you put them in a paper bag, you miss them every two weeks. And then you replant them, and they grow fine. Yep. Geraniums are wonderful ones to experiment with. They kind of get you, If you haven't ever overwintered an annual, geraniums are wonderful ones to start with because they can boost your confidence. Mm-hmm. And then when yeah. you get really wily, uh, you'll start uh, trying to overwinter your lantana, mm-hmm. or, which is going to be difficult, or uh, begonias, which are which are easier. Uh, and just kind of uh, experiment and see what you can. Uh, pansies uh, tend to overwinter halfway decently outside in this cold weather. So if you planted some late season pansies now, uh, you might be able to get them. You left them outside. Mm-hmm. You might have some uh, shines of color next spring, mm-hmm. uh, but then they'll probably poop out by summer. If you're hosta, we got a little over a minute left. If your hosta is starting to brown, now you can cut them all the way back. But I still have some that are doing well. Yeah, the one on my south side is done. Uh, just the amount of sun and heat, it's it's done for the season. It's mm-hmm. it's uh, its ticket has been has been checked. So, but my north side. Those hostas look great still. Mm-hmm. Just amazing. So I'm going to leave those for a while. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, a lot of fall stuff. People still want to fill in some oh, spots, yeah. right? Pumpkins galore, fall annuals galore, uh, mums. Uh, so, yeah, we got mums growing out of our ears of all kinds of different stages. You can buy some bloomed out, ones that will be bloomed out in a couple weeks. So some, If you get some uh, without any color on them, you might be able to get those to last through Thanksgiving. I just wish they'd come back the next year. Occasionally, you'll get the biennials, but yeah. uh, and they're slowly starting to breed a few of those too, right? Yes, yes. Um, and, and we have a variety. It's a hardy variety called igloo. Mm-hmm. Um, you will have a better chance. I'm not gonna. We don't sell them as perennials. I'm not gonna tell you it's going to be a guaranteed success rate, but you have a better chance if you get those in the ground now to have that mum overwinter next year. And it's All called right. an igloo mum. All right. Uh, hours again? Uh, 9 to 5, Monday through Saturday. And uh, next week, we'll be transitioning more and more and more to houseplants because there's a lot of ways to continue to garden if you enjoy it over the winter. Uh, for Ethan Wise, I'm Dan DiOrio. Thanks for listening to Green Thumb from Hair Nursery. See you next week on WMBD.